Well, good morning. Hey, you guys finally did that to me. You do it to Dave and you do it to Brandon. But every time I do it, you're like, I don't know if I want to say good morning to that guy. It is good to see you, kiddos, fifth grade and under. You can go ahead and make your way downstairs. It's good to worship with you. It's been good to hear your voices this morning. Praise the Lord for the opportunity to worship together. And for those of you that are online, I know that your living room was filled with some songs this morning as we looked at and we uh, engaged the worship of who God is and what he's done. For this being the first weekend in the new year, there's certainly a lot of evaluation that's going on in our hearts, isn't there? Whenever we look at, you know, the end of a year, we often kind of take this inventory of what we want for this next year to look like. And that's not just for the Christian, that's for the world, right? We all kind of make some resolutions or we make some half-hearted promises like we're going to work out and we're going to lose weight and we're going to do all this stuff this year. Um, But you know what, as I was reflecting on New Year's, which of course New Year's for student ministry was a bit different this year. Usually we're on the floor in here and doing a wild, crazy overnighter and that's been postponed till February and we're excited about that. But as I was considering this year and as I was sharing with the students online on New Year's Eve, I had this moment where through all of the things of this year, I was able to sit and to think about how I'm thankful for 2020. And I know that a lot of people on the TV and a lot of people around the world say, man, I just wish that 2020 would go as far away from me as it possibly can get. But here's what I'm thankful for. In 2020, we have had a great opportunity to recognize that we cannot save ourselves. We have had a great opportunity to recognize that we need a savior. In fact, we need Jesus Christ in our lives. We need a hope that is greater than the world because I think 2020 has taught us that we ourselves are pretty weak, um, but God is very, very strong. In fact, that's what we're gonna dig in today. That's what we've been talking about throughout this whole series is about how God defines himself. See, what we try to do with God a lot of times is we try to define God by our experiences or we define God by what someone has told us in the past. But here's the beautiful thing about God is that God has defined himself for us. We just need to learn about it. He's revealed himself through his word. He's given us his spirit to continue to reveal himself to us even as we trust him today. And that's what we're looking at in this series is how does God define himself and how can I respond to the way in which God has defined himself? And so this is why I think the best resolution, the best commitment that we can make in the year 2021 is for us to really dig in and ask ourselves, how can I know more about God today than I did yesterday? How can I know more about God today than I did yesterday? How can I learn about him? How can I learn from him? How can I experience him? How can I trust him more with all the pieces of my life and not just sit on the sideline? With that, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to know you that you have revealed yourself, you've made yourself available to your creation, that you are not absent, that you're not just a bystander watching, separated, but rather that you are very much alive, active, and moving. And Lord, you have engaged your people. And so today, as we dive into your word, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us how you have shown us your holiness, 
and how we can respond to that holiness with the giving of our lives. Father, we trust you and we praise you. We pray that you would eliminate any distraction around us or within us this morning, that we could focus completely on you and what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So the word for this morning is this. It's the word holy. A lot of us have heard the word holy used in a lot of different ways. It certainly has a very strong connection with religious type services and those types of things. And the term holy often is used as another word for purity or maybe righteousness that we've heard before. And there's nothing wrong with the way in which it's attached or these words that maybe we try to define it. But I do believe that the way in which we view holy for ourselves is often very much distant from the way in which God describes his holiness. In fact, in the scriptures, there is one primary meaning to the word holy when it comes to how God is defined. And what we're gonna learn this morning is that that definition is much richer, it's much grander, and in fact, it's a little bit more than we can even comprehend in this life. And that is because the holiness of God is completely unique, it's all-powerful, it's untouchable by anything else, and the holiness of God radiates out from him. You see, God has set himself apart from anything that is unholy. Part of his holiness is that there is nothing else like him. He is infinitely higher than everything else. Isaiah 55, nine says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, he says, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Often I think of God's holiness as a depiction of the sun, right? We look at the sun in our solar system and we recognize that it is incredibly powerful, right? There's only so there's only a distance that we can get to it to be so close to it without finding ourselves burning up, right? I can't go to the sun and land on the sun. I can't even get close within the sun's atmosphere because it's all powerful. It's radiating. And, you know, it's good to be within the sun's light because that's what gives us this really cool tan that we get to have. In the wintertime, it's a little bit more difficult because the sun is not as close to us in this region. That's why it's a little colder, well, in the same way, God's holiness is a powerful force that we cannot experience the fullness of in this life because of our sin. But at the same time, God's holiness is a gift to this world, to his creation, because it's able to heal broken and impure things. Best of all, as followers of Christ, a part of God's holiness now resides in us as well, making us a part of God's holiness that now is making its display for creation. And through this time together in the word, my hope is that we're able to dive into a deeper understanding of this holiness and to see that our sinfulness actually has an opportunity to drive us to the Lord rather than to drive us away from him. Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter six, and we're gonna look into account of the prophet Isaiah as he has a revelation with the Lord, a face-to-face -face encounter with God. Isaiah chapter six, for those of you that are new or are doing stuff at home, don't be afraid to use your phone. There's a Bible app on there. It's super helpful for you. You see, Isaiah was a prophet to the kings of Judah, 
For those of you that don't know what a prophet is, a prophet was to be a spokesman for God, which means that he would declare blessings, he would display display curses, uh, and he would ask these folks to repent or respond to what it is that God was doing. And Isaiah is really cool because we have a lot of his writings. In fact, we have more writings from Isaiah than any other prophet. You'll remember on Christmas Eve, we talked about Isaiah's, um, Isaiah's words from Isaiah chapter 9, where he told us that, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and they will call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The words of Isaiah foretold the Jesus that would come, would save the people from their sins. And in here in chapter 6, Isaiah writes about this encounter with God. And it doesn't go exactly the way you might think it would go for someone who has been significantly singled out by God to be his spokesman. Join me in verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What an amazing opening to what it is that we see God's holiness represents. It's powerful. It's breathtaking here, even as we read through this text. And notice that as Isaiah is entering into the temple of Uzziah's death, the people at this point would have been in great mourning. Their king has died. And no, Uzziah wasn't the greatest king of all. He didn't follow all of God's commands, but he certainly was a king in which the people would have cried or wept over. And I believe that Isaiah, in the same way, he enters the temple in this moment to grieve an earthly king. And what Isaiah finds is the true king. He gets to stand in the face of a holy king. Verse 2, it says, above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Now these seraphim, they're angelic beings, heavenly beings. And what's interesting here is how Isaiah describes how these angelic beings were covering themselves. Notice that it describes that they have six wings. And with four of those wings, they're doing things that I believe really help us to understand a glimpse of what God's holiness means for us in our lives. Notice that the angelic beings were covering their faces with their wings, which also would have meant that they were covering their eyes. Why is that significant? The reality is, is that we can see through the collection of the text in Exodus chapter 18 when God allowed Moses to see a glimpse of God's glory. In fact, it was actually the backside of God. What happened to Moses' face when he was on the mountain? It began to glow. It was radiating. In fact, it freaked people out. They literally had to cover up the dude's face so that way he wouldn't scare the people in which he was leading because he had a not even a face-to-face encounter with God. He had a glimpse of God's glory and it made his face radiate. You see, to look at God's holiness in the face, that's something that sinful people cannot do. But yet, in 1 John 3, 2, it's our goal for the life that we will have with him after this life. Dear friends, Now we are children of God. How are we children of God? Because of our acceptance of Jesus Christ. And what will be has not yet been known, 
but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The fullness of God is our hope that we one day get to experience as we await for heaven. The other body part that they're covering up is their feet. Again, Moses, with his encounter with God, also within the book of Exodus, we see that he has an encounter with the Lord where? At the burning bush. And while at that encounter with the Lord, what does God tell him to do? He says, take off your shoes. Why? Because the ground in which you are standing on is now holy grounds. Well, what made it holy? Why is a piece of dirt so significant? Well, what's the purpose of Moses taking off his shoes? Well, the reality is, is that when God's holiness touches something, it changes it. You see, when God touches what is ordinary, it becomes extraordinary. Think about it. We just took communion together. Why is a cracker and a cup of juice so important to us? What makes a piece of ground holy? Why is it that Noah marked the spot where he landed and he built an altar after he got off the ark? Why did Abraham build an altar to the Lord? Why is marriage so significant? You see, what makes something sacred, what makes something holy, is not something that we ourselves create. Rather, it's God's touch upon that thing. God's holiness is what allows things to change. And it's powerful. Verse three describes this power. Join me there. The angelic beings were calling to one another, which I can only imagine what this sounded like for Isaiah, who's standing there before the presence of the Lord, and he's got these angelic beings singing around the Lord, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We sang a song similar to that when we started our time together today. And I don't want us to cruise past the repetitiveness of these words, holy, holy, holy. You see, even for these angelic beings, just saying that God is holy wasn't enough. The emphasis upon the words holy, holy, holy describes something that is greater than just holy. Think about it this way. If I were to go to a football game, Graham, and I walked into that football game and I saw this dude, I mean, he's probably 400 pounds, just pure muscle, jacked out of control, right? And I came back to you and I said, Graham, you wouldn't believe the size of this guy that I saw at the football game. I mean, he was huge, huge, huge. You'd think this was the biggest dude I've ever seen in my life, right? It's a whole lot different than me saying, Brandon, dude, you look huge today, right? Like there's a huge difference between that. The emphasis that's placed by these angelic beings matters. And if that wasn't enough, it stretches the bounds of our imagination when they say that the whole earth is filled with his glory. You see, whatever we think we understand about God's holiness, we need to know that God is in an entirely different category. And that's okay for us to recognize that we cannot in our sinful Nature in our sinful life fully obtain the true holiness of what God is because he's more holy than we can ever imagine. Turn me in voice, verse four. At the sound of their voices, the doorsteps 
and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You see, in the presence of God's holiness, even the inanimate objects shake. Remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and the crowd was praising him? That the Pharisees looked to Jesus, they looked to his disciples, and they told the crowd to stop honoring him? But what was Jesus' response to them? He said, if the people don't, then the rocks will cry out. We must realize that being in the presence of God demands a response. Whether you are a person here today, or if there's a rock in the parking lot, or a tree that sways in the winds, all of these things cry out to God's holiness because God is a part of all of these things because he's the creator of all of these things. And so we need to recognize that as God's creation, we have to respond to his holiness. That's because being in the presence of God demands a response. Verse five, listen to Isaiah's response. Isaiah says, woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I've lived among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. It's an interesting response for the prophet of the Lord. But what Isaiah's response to God's holiness is not joy, but rather he says, woe to me. He says, I am ruined. Why? Because he sees God's holiness in its full and he sees his sinfulness against it and he realizes that he is unworthy even to be in God's presence. He says that he is undone, he's unraveled, he's coming apart at the seams. Isaiah saw the holiness of God and for the first time in his life he realized that God is different than maybe the things that he had imagined. That he's so much greater. That he's so much more powerful. And he looks at his sinfulness and he realizes that there's a separation from God in that. And this is because God's holiness shines a light on our sinfulness and it drives us to surrender. You see, for Isaiah here and for us in our lives, if God revealed our sinfulness all at once, if he were to lay out a book of everything that we've done wrong and he were to show that to us and we saw every place that we've fallen short, would we too not come unraveled? <laughs> would we not say, woe to me? Would we not be crushed and feel as if we are coming apart at the seams? But you see, God doesn't do it that way. Rather, he shows us what we need to see in order to understand our need for Jesus, and then he continues to reveal those areas that need to be redeemed, cut away, and sanctified as we grow in relationship with him. You see, God in his holiness allows for us to experience him in this life even with our sinfulness, but God's desire is that we would not remain continuing to be in sinfulness. That's why his holiness shines a light on the places in which continue to separate us from God, not so that we would run away and hide like a child, but rather that we would run to our Father who can heal us and give us hope and to repair what is broken. 
So many of us get caught up in this idea, especially as young believers or people that don't know Christ, that because of all of this list of sins in my past, I am totally disqualified from anything of God, especially when I consider his holiness and I look at how great and grand and perfect and untouchable as much as it seems. But yet that's not the reality. You see, the reality is is that God has made a way for us to know him, to trust him, and to see him. But as obedient children, we have to recognize that we cannot conform to the evil desires that we had when we lived in ignorance, is what 1 Peter 1 says. But just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all that you do. Some people wonder why God gave Israel so many specific instructions and details laid out in the Old Testament law. A lot of people wonder why is it that God was so harsh on the Israelites or why it is that God had all these rules and regulations for them. You see, God wasn't trying to regulate their freedom. He was actually trying to set them apart from other nations. He was teaching them how to be better in every area of their life. He wanted them to be healthy in what they ate. He wanted to have them understand how to handle disease. He wanted them to be pure in the way in which they approach relationships. They wanted to be honorable in the way that they treated their wives and raised their children. You see, God was giving them a roadmap to show that they are set apart. He wanted their lives to be holy just as he was holy. He wanted them to recognize that they are priceless, that they're pure and that they're special, that they're God's children. But that means that they had to live differently. And in living differently, they experience God. The same is true for us today. Join me back in verse six and seven. It says, then one of the Sephirim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth. This is Isaiah speaking here. And he said, see that this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Do you see the foreshadowing of Jesus in this? Isaiah had to be purified in order to be in the holy presence of God and especially for what was about to happen. And yes, this purification came with some pain. I can only imagine what a hot coal in the mouth would feel like. Probably not great, right? But it's better than the separation from God that would be required without it. The same is true in our lives today. No, we do not need to burn our mouths with a hot coal to be purified. What an invitation to come and to respond to Jesus if we had a big cauldron of hot coals up here and you can come forward, we'll talk to you and place a hot coal in your mouth and you're good to go, right? Won't be able to speak ever in your life, but you're good now, you're purified. Rather though, we need to allow the fire of God's spirit to refine us from the inside out beyond the internal workings that that accomplishes, the truth is is that this surrender has an impact beyond our own lives. In fact, it makes a difference in the lives of others. Carly, you're in the same seat as the person that I talked about last night, so I'll talk about you this morning. You know, over the past four, five, six years that you have been engaging in God's story about how you want to lead worship and serve his church and to continue to see him on the move, God has done a great work from within inside you. And that has not come from an easy lifestyle. 
That means that you've had to live differently and you've fallen short and you admit that and I'll admit that and everybody will admit that for all of us, right? But yet because of your willingness to allow God's spirit to work inside of you, God is at work in people in your life, in friends, in family members, in the people that you walk the hallways with at New Albany, which is a crazy school. But yet you continue to make him known, not because you stand in the hallway with a big megaphone shouting at people to repent and turn, turn or burn, but rather because you've said, God, I want you to work through me, and that has a ripple effect in the people around you. Because you allow God's spirit to do that, your life radiates out what God is doing within you. Why? Because God is holy, and he has the power to do that. Verse eight, Isaiah says that then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I'm convinced that if Isaiah had not been purified at this point, he just would have died. Uh, at the voice of God being heard in this moment, he just would have fell over dead. But not only did he not die, Isaiah was able to respond to God in his holiness Isaiah said to the Lord, here I am, send me. Do you see the process of Isaiah in this journey? To go from someone who says, woe is me, I recognize my sin, I know that I've fallen short, to accept the purification that comes from God, and then he responds in confidence and is able to say, God, here I am. I'm ready, send me. Think about how powerful that is for the prophet of the Lord to be able to respond in that way. But let's ask ourselves this question. What's our response to God's holy voice today? Do not be fooled. God's voice has been heard through his word. God's voice has been heard through all creation. God's voice has been heard in your heart. And so you have an opportunity to respond to that as well, not just once, but every day of your life. And so the question is this, are you cowering in fear or you are engaging the story of redemption that he has for your life? Realize that this happens when we focus on God's holy desires and not our sinful hearts. You see, I believe that when we recognize that God is bigger than we are, that he's more than what we can comprehend, that he's holy, 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 that that gives us a whole lot of freedom to trust him, doesn't it? Because he's not gonna fail. He didn't make a mistake in you. And amazingly, the holy God of all things turns to sinful people like you and me, and he invites us into the work of making him known 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? Why are you those things? By your works? No, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. And because of that, you may now declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. As we seek to follow God's will each day, we increase in our understanding of his holiness because it's at work within us. It's at work around us. It's at work through us. Though we will never be perfect in this life, God can and will work in our lives to help us better live for him. King David 
wrote about our response to God in Psalm chapter 138. If you want to turn there with me, and I'd encourage you to maybe compare some of David's words to some of your words today that you're thinking in your own heart. Again, Psalm 138. He says, I will give you thanks with all of my heart. I will sing your praises before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and I will give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. Powerful words from a holy God that he is love and that he is truth. Lord, you have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. Remember, God's holiness sets him apart. He's above, greater, more than everything else. And on the day you called, you answered me. David says, he have increased my strength within me. Though God, you are exalted. Though God, you are holy, is what he's saying. You take note of the humble. God, in your infinite bigness, you see me, sinful, me. If I walk in the thick of danger, you preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You extend your hand, your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your love is eternal. Hear those words today from a holy God that his love is not temporary like the relationships that we often fill our lives with. Rather, God's love because of his holiness is eternal, which means that it lasts past this life and it goes on for eternity. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Here's the deal. In a world that seems so out of control, in a world that seems many times to be very evil, where wrong seems to be rewarded and right seems to be punished, it is vital to remember the holiness of God, to realize that every situation, location, and moment that you have been in, are in, or will be in is under the control of the one who is completely holy. And at street level, often we won't see it this way like Brandon described in communion, but we must continue to remind ourselves that God is holy, 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 and that he is ruling, and what he does is right, always, and what he promises he will always deliver. Evil is not in control. Injustice does not rule. Corruption is not king, no matter how much news that you watch. Satan will not have the victory. You see, God is and will always be worthy of our trust. Why? Because he's holy. You see, the, considering the holiness of God reveals to us why Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was so important. Jesus alone is God's holy son. He alone lived a sinful or a sinless holy life. And on the cross, he shed his blood as a holy sacrifice, the only sacrifice that is possible to cover the sins of not only our life, but the entire world. 
so that we as unholy sinners could be completely forgiven and walk with the Lord in this life and to allow his spirit to come and to reside within us. 2 Corinthians chapter five says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, the holiness of God challenges us that he is greater, that he is infinitely better than us. And God's holiness is not a warning for us to run and hide and cower, but rather God's holiness is an invitation to us because of what Jesus has done to run to him. So how will we respond to God's holiness today? For Moses, remember Moses fell at his face at the burning bush. And Moses went on to give him a list of reasons why he could not do the work in which God has called him to do, that he wasn't eloquent in speaking, that he wasn't confident in himself, only for God to remind him that, hey, Moses, it's not about you, buddy. It's about what I'm doing through you. It's my holiness at work through you, Moses. King David said, I'll praise you with all of my heart, even if that means that my son will die. King David said that I'll praise you even when people think that I look ridiculous. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. All of me, my backstory, my broken moments, all of me belongs to you, God. I look to your holiness and I see that you're greater than I am. And God, I wanna put my trust into you. Perhaps today is the day that you run and receive his spirit that comes through your surrender in him. Maybe for you who are watching online, it's finally clicked and you recognize that God does have an invitation for your life and that his holiness is greater than what you are. And so I'll encourage you, if you're in this room or you're online, that we would love to walk with you in that next step. If you wanna come forward and we can pray together during this time, I'd love to do that. If you're watching, you can drop a message and we'll respond immediately and continue to walk with you. Today, I invite all of us to simply respond to God's holiness, to say yes to a spirit that's working inside of us and to know that God's power is continuing to cut away the things in your life that keep you from experiencing him in the moments. And so I hope that you will allow for him to do that within you, that you'll say yes to a spirit that's working inside of you, and that you would see the ripple effect, not only that that has here on this earth, but also the true glory that comes in eternity. Let's stand together and let's pray. Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. Your praise, Father, is not something that we in our sinfulness can even try to muster up enough to be able to give you what you deserve. But God, we desire to give you all that we have. Lord, as we've looked into your holiness and we've seen the depiction that Isaiah has given us and the experience that he was able to have there, Lord, it's challenged us to say yes to you. And so, Lord, even now as your spirit's at work in our hearts, I 
pray that you would bring to the forefront in our minds what it is that we need to allow you to continue to cut away, Lord, and that we would respond in thankfulness because we know that you, God, are in control. And God, that we can give you all of ourselves and we can confidently know that you, God, are worthy of it all. Thank you for looking at your creation, seeing our need, and in your holiness, God, repairing what is broken. It's in Jesus' name, amen.